Hello everyone, Pastor Marco here. Just want to welcome you to our podcast. We're glad to be able to share God's word with you. Want to let you know that we have a brand new website, newlifesouthcoast.com. It's a great place to stay connected and involved in the life of the church. Listen, if you live in the area, come check out one of our Sunday morning services, 9.30 or 11.30. It's a powerful time, and we also have kids' ministry for all ages. I believe this message is going to encourage you and challenge you today, but also make sure you share it with a friend who needs to hear the Word of God. Blessings. I want to talk to you this morning on the topic of don't do life alone. It's cruise season. Um, and um, for those of you guys who are not familiar with cruise, this is the time of the year where we launch our small groups. We believe that we grow better together. We believe that we're meant to do life together. And so I want to talk to you about this concept of not doing life alone because we live in a society that's about me, myself, and I. But I don't think it's a healthy thing because in the Bible, you never find that. All you find is community. Even the God that we serve is a community. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, it starts with him. In the beginning, he says, let us make man in our image and likeness. So he wants us to be in community. And right from the beginning, he said, it's not good for men to be alone, right? Which we'll get into relationships next week. I hope you don't miss it. Uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, we got a lot of things lined up. It's not going to be the usual approach. We're going to take some different approaches to this thing because we want this to be a conversation. We want this to be a, 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 a talk because all of us can improve our relationships. Can you say amen? And we're going to hit everything from single to engaged to flirting to, you know, you know, the way my relationship is set up, you know, to marriage, to, you know, broken hearts and healing. Like we're going to try to touch every part of what it means to be in a relationship. And I believe you're going to be blessed. And tell someone about it because all of us could use a little bit more in our relationships. Can you say amen? But it starts with the greatest relationship that we have is our relationship with our God, right? That's why right in the beginning, God didn't give Eve right away, right? He said, Adam, I'm going to create you. We're going to develop this thing. Then Eve will come in the picture, okay? I don't know if you noticed that, but sometimes in the Bible, you read two verses, you think it just happened. It didn't happen like that. There was a period of time when Adam was just walking with the Lord. And then at the right time, God says, you know what? You need more than animals. You need a companion, so I'm going to bring Eve, uh, which he calls Eve a suitable companion, okay? Not a perfect companion, a suitable companion. I'm getting ahead of myself. That's next week. Um, but I, wa- I do want to start here. If you have your Bibles, I want to read a verse to you from Proverbs 27, verse 17. Uh, Proverbs 27, verse 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend, or a person sharpens another. Two versions here. Okay, so as iron sharpens iron, so a friend or or one person sharpens another person. You know, I've been walking with Jesus now for 19 years. I was 20 years old. When um, I was radically saved, I mean, God really transformed my life. I, 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 I was not expecting that, okay? And uh, it just changed from, from, from night and day. I knew that I wasn't the same person. And over the years, I believe that that relationship grows. Right? I don't believe God saves you and that's it. I believe God saves you and then he puts this hunger and a desire for you to grow closer to him, closer to his will, closer to his purpose. And in, with any given relationship, which we're going to get into the next few weeks, is that relationship, here's the, here's the secret, you ready? 
You ready? Write this down. Relationship takes work. You were waiting for something more. Right? Relationship is magical. No, it takes work. Okay? Hollywood has lied to us that everything kind of flows into place. Uh, but no, relationship is work. Right? And so, and so the Bible even says this. The Bible says to work out your salvation. In other words, God gives you salvation, but then he's like, now you got to work out some things. Right? You can't just go to the gym and look at the weights and think like this, I showed up. You know, some people think that's church. I showed up. Well, you got to put in the work now of what you're receiving so you can see the results that you want to see. You can't just look at the treadmill and go, hey, I'm in shape now. I looked at it. You know what I'm saying? You can't just wishfully think that you're going to have abs. Okay. And, 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 you know, nowadays everything is, you know, quick, you know. Five minutes abs. You, you know, I mean, no, that's not true. Like, you just can't, you're not going to get abs in five minutes. Right? How many know that, like, like a two-minute workout is a lie? Yeah. Like, one push-up a day. Uh, one push-up a day is one push-up a day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you not going to get anything. But it takes work. Can you say amen? And, and so our relationship with God takes work. But the beauty of this is God has given us tools to work out our salvation. Right? He's given us ingredients and things that's going to help us because, you know, working out is not just working out, but you've got to eat right too. Right? And so, spiritually speaking, it's the same concept that God gives us things to grow. And so, over the last 19 years, I was thinking about this this week. I said, what, if I could narrow it down to a few things to make it practical, uh, what has helped me grow in my relationship with the Lord? And I want to share this with you. And I want to emphasize one of them today as the part of not doing life alone. But the number one thing, please write this down, that has shaped my relationship with Jesus this past 19 years. The first thing, the most important thing, is private disciplines. That is the most important thing that has shaped my relationship with Jesus is private. What do I mean by private disciplines? Well, it's, it's praying on my own. It's reading the Bible on my own. It's fasting on my own. Like it's taking the, the tools that he's given me and apply them to my daily walk with him. Right? There's nothing like you seeking God on your own. It's not a religion. It's not an obligation. It's a desire. It's a longing to know this God and to develop your relationship with him. And he's given us the tools to do that. Prayer is communication. You know prayer is a two-way street. You know that God will speak to you if you make room for him to speak to you? You know, do you know that meditation is a powerful thing? The scriptures tells us to be still and know that he's God, like learning to just be with him. You know, the most powerful times of my weeks are the times that I'm spending alone with God. Sometimes it's in my car driving to work, and I feel like that, that, that commute to work is my time with Jesus. And if you see me on the road, you think I'm crazy, because I'll talk out loud with Jesus, uh, I believe in praying out loud. I want to hear myself speak the things that I want to see come to pass. And, and prayer to me is a package deal because sometimes I'm venting. <laughs> I mean, no, nobody cares, but the Lord does. So you go vent to him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, you know, sometimes I'm just venting. You know, oh, God. What? <laughs> you know, uh, but, but it's where I get counsel. It's where I get wisdom, right? It's where I make decisions. You mean to make decisions? Pray. Ask the Lord. I'm telling you, he's amazing at giving you insights, you know? And so prayer to me is a package deal. Reading the Bible is where I get to see God's will. 
Because we live in a very fleeting society, like I said last week, our emotions all over the place. I need some things that are already written and already established to help me on this journey. So we don't read the Bible out of obligation. You don't read the Bible out of, you know, I got to do this. No, it's, I desire to know you, Lord. And you've given me 66 books to help me know you for who you are. And, 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 I, and I can see you that you've been working throughout history. That means that you're still working today and you're still with me today. And so private disciplines is the most important thing. Please understand this, that doing ministry and seeking the Lord are two different things. It's very important to understand this. Private disciplines is not where I get preaching from. Now, they flow together, but my doing only is as effective as my being. Please understand this. Being with the Lord is what empowers you to do what you do. A lot of times in our society, it's about what you do, right? First thing we ask people is, what do you do? But the problem is, what you do is not who you are. Who you are determines what you do. So being with the Lord empowers me to do what I do. And I believe the more I am with the Lord, the more I'm a better husband. I'm a better parent. I'm a better preacher. I'm a better pastor, right? Everything flows out of who I am in him first. And we learned this from Jesus. If you look at Jesus' life, he always retreated to speak with the Lord in private. If you want power in public, learn to seek the Lord in private. If you want to overcome, learn to go privately to him and watch him reward you in a public space. Okay? Very important because a lot of times we confuse ministry and being with the Lord. It's not the same thing. As a matter of fact, your ministry will suffer if you're not being with the Lord in private. Can you say amen? Okay. So private discipline is the number one thing that has shaped my life. The second thing that has shaped my life in walking with the Lord is practical teaching. Okay, practical teaching, because when Jesus taught us the ways of God, it was always practical. I don't know where we got this idea of making, you know, the Bible and the church so irrelevant. I don't know where we got that from, because Jesus was a very practical teacher. Like, there's not one message of Jesus that's not practical. Have you noticed he uses practical things every day that people would relate to, to say, this is how you live life. Like fishing or farming, the things that people would, like if he was here today, he would find things that are relevant to our day to teach us, here's how you practically live for Jesus. The greatest compliment that I hear every week when people come to church for the first time, they're like, oh, I understand what you're talking about. And I'm like, honestly, it shouldn't be an abnormal thing. Like every church should be teaching practical things. Like this is how you live out. Like if it's not applicable on Monday, then what's the point? Right? And so practical teaching has really shaped my life. I was very fortunate when I got saved to be part of a church that was about practical teaching. But here's the thing with practical teaching. The Bible says you have to put it into practice. <laughs> it's practical to practice. Right? If you don't practice it, don't expect to see the results. Right? So when you come to church, the reason I tell you to take notes is that you have to put it into practice. Right? Because we're all unique. We all go through different things. But so, God, what is it that I need to do with this word? That's when you know you're growing in church. I don't care how long you've been in church. Every week, if you're paying attention, God is trying to teach you something. That's what I love about being a pastor is that I learn every single week. Right? God is teaching me, and I, and I hope that I'm conveying what he's teaching to you so that you can also put it into practice. Can you say amen? Hey, practical teaching. Okay. And, I, and I, I, I got saved when... 
you know, we still listen to tapes. And so I remember I used to go to work. I used to work with my dad when I got saved. I was 20 years old. I was in community college, and I was working with my dad in a factory. And this factory was like mindless work. You're just doing your thing. And so I would put my Walkman on and listen to a practical teaching from the Bible. And that was shaping my faith. Because the Bible says faith comes by hearing. So the more you listen to the practical teaching of the word, the more it's taking shape in you and is molding you and shaping you. You're not even realizing it. Months are going by. You're thinking different. Right? You'll begin to confess different, and you begin to feel different, and you begin to walk differently. And that's the whole point, is that Christianity is as practical as Monday morning. Can you say amen? And so that's a choice every day. What are you putting into you? My first youth pastor, when I got saved, I was 20 years old, he would say something over and over again. <laughs> you know, 19 years later, I'm still remembering. There was not a week that he would not say, garbage in, garbage out. It's like, what are you putting in? That's what you're going to come out, right? And so that was such a powerful thing because I'm like, man, I don't want garbage in me, and I don't want to produce garbage. So I'm going pre- to put some practical teachings into my life, and I still do that today. Nowadays, you know, the beauty of this thing is, you know, it's how you want to use it. Yeah. I have so many different podcasts that I follow. You know, I, I follow leadership podcasts. I follow business podcasts. I follow preaching podcasts because every single day I want to make sure that I'm renewing my mind with the things that's going to help me live this life out loud. Can you say amen? amen? So practical teaching is important. And then the third thing that has helped to shape my walk with Jesus is this, serving in a ministry team. Now, why is this important? Well, because you don't want to be the person that just talks about being a Christian. You want to be the person that's actually doing what it means to be a Christian. And so from the, right from the start, I'm so thankful that I grew up in a church that just kind of threw me into ministry. I didn't know anything about youth ministry. They're like, go be a youth leader. And it was awesome. It was the best thing that could have happened to me because right from the beginning, it activated my faith. It made me be an active person, you know, because a lot of times people go to church, but they're not active. It's like going to the gym, but not work out, right? Serving is when you work out, right? It's when you show that you're following Jesus, that you're walking with him and that, and that you're doing something to contribute, Right? Because God doesn't call us to consume. He calls us to contribute. Come on, talk to me. Uh, so serving in a ministry team. So I started just literally just showing up, picking up kids for a youth group. You know, before there was a Uber, you know, we used to just help people come to church because we're like, people need to know Jesus. And my friends need to know Jesus. And they're not kind of coming on their own. I got them going to pick them up and bring them to church. You know, and a year later, they made me the youth director. I don't know what they were thinking. It's brand new save. They're like, you're going to run this thing. Okay, for real, we're going to figure this thing out. Right? And from there, that, that has been, honestly, my journey. I've done kids ministry. <laughs> I've done worship team, believe it or not. I could sing, y'all. <laughs> At least I think I could sing. You know the people on American Idol that don't have any friends? I was one of those guys. Okay, singing my heart. I was like, man, no one was like being real with me. It's like, maybe you shouldn't sing, though. See, sometimes people in church are too nice. The Bible says speak the truth in love. Like, if you can't sing, tell the brother out. Like, bro, you can't sing. Can we be honest? Like, some preachers can't preach, but no one told them. So they keep preaching. (laughs) You're like, but bro, you can't preach, though. You're a good guy. Like, run a small group or something, but you're not a preacher. And some people can't run a small group. You know what I'm saying? Like we all are gifted a certain way. 
Right? And then you walk with the Lord, you begin to learn, oh, this is my gift and this is where I belong. And I remember when I figured that out, I told my pastor, I don't think I should be singing. Like I came to my own conclusion and told him, I don't think I should be in the choir. I'm hurting the choir. You know, God gave me that revelation. Bro, stop hurting the choir. Like, I went to the, like, I didn't, he didn't have to tell me, because some people, you tell them and then they get offended. I'm like, I'm doing you a favor, pastor. I can't sing, but I'm healing the help somewhere else, you know? Like, I've done visitations, you know, I, I, I've done small groups. I've done a little bit of everything because I believe this with the Lord. It's not about telling him what to do. He'll just show up. Just be available, and God will use you. You don't have to stay one thing forever, but do something, you know? And then the fourth thing, which I really want to zero in today, is that it's growing in community. That has been a big part of my walk with Jesus, is growing in community. Like I said, we're not meant to do life alone. We need each other. And I know we live in a very isolated society, but one of the ways that you understand the Bible right away is, the Bible was written from an Eastern mindset, meaning... The Eastern mindset is all about community. The Western mindset is all about me, myself, and I. So if you really want to walk with the Lord, you have to kind of shift the way you think. Because God thinks in community. Right? We think in individuality. God thinks in what can we do together. Right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They always do things. Like Jesus said, I never do anything without the Father. Right? And the Father says, the Holy Spirit's not going to do anything without me sending him first. And the Holy Spirit's like, I only convey what you told me to convey. It's like it's a tight unit, and I believe God wants us to live in community. Can you say amen? You know, and I was very fortunate when I got saved to be surrounded with just amazing people. You know, there was one community that just happened organically. Sometimes things just flow, and I believe, we didn't know this, but this was the Holy Spirit. When I got saved, I was 20 years old, and there was other friends of mine that had the same experience. We knew, like, man, we cannot live life the same way again. We've been exposed to more. And so what are we going to do? Well, that summer, when I got saved, I got saved in, in Memorial Day weekend of 1998. I'll never forget it. I always bring it up because you can never forget what the Lord has taken you from. Okay. The Bible says you overcome by the word of your testimony. So you have to always remember, this is what the Lord has done in my life. Never become a Christian that has become too accustomed to the grace of God in your life. Always go back to it. The Bible says actually to remember like, remember what the Lord has done in your life. And so I try to do that often. And I remember uh, being saved and, and then finding that, wait, some of my friends also had the same experience. And it was almost like a no-brainer for us to begin to do life together. Now, focus on Jesus. And so that whole summer, I don't know how we did it, but I went to school. I was working. But every day we got together to pray, to read the Bible. To share what God is doing in our lives. And, and, and to tell other people about Jesus. Like we created such a great atmosphere. And one of those guys is actually here. It's amazing how God will just continue to keep us on the same journey. Uh, Mario is part of our security team. But we went to high school together. We got saved together. We went to college together. We transferred. <laughs> it's so crazy. We went to community college together. And then we transferred to Eastern Nazarene College together. Um, and, and now we're in this church together. It's a beautiful thing to have people in your life. And so he knows the good, the bad, and the ugly of Pastor Mario. You know, before Pastor was part of my, you know. So Mario, if you're here, keep some things to yourself. I mean, it's just better that way. Because I know some things too, Mario. I'm just saying. 
<laughs> so we're going to hold each other down. <laughs> but we were awakened to something more in life, and we were excited about what God was doing in our lives. It was powerful to be able to be there for one another, you know. And, uh, and it was honestly, thinking about it during the week, about this message, that was one of the most powerful, memorable times of my life. That first year being saved and walking with Jesus. Oh, Mario, you are here. I just, <laughs> I just saw him. Um, you can ask him. It's a true story. You know, that was one of the most powerful years of my life. And those guys have forever imprinted something in me that I will take with me for eternity. Because it's powerful when you have people to do life with who want the same things you do. You know, it wasn't perfect. Well, we used to fight sometimes. It was so funny. Like, we'd be in a prayer meeting, and someone's fighting because no one left them pizza. It's like, yeah, we were just praying together. Now you didn't share the bread with your brother that we were just praying with. It was times we like, have to, like, stop fist fights because dudes will be dudes. You know, one time, one of our friends, I remember, he was, like, asking another dude to step out the church. It's like, wait, wait, we in church? Step out the church? Can we pray about this? Like, like what's good? But I love how real it was. You know, real guys trying to figure out life together. And I think all of us can testify how that shaped us for eternity. You know, so it's powerful to have people to do life together. I remember one time, Mario, I don't know if you remember this, but we were at this kid Carlos house praying. And we used to pray all weekend. Because it was either that or go to a club. We're like, no, it's Jesus. We're going to pray together. And we're going to spend our weekends together so we can stay focused together. So we can walk with Jesus together. So we would have late night prayer meetings on Saturday. I remember one time, it was like 1 o'clock in the morning. We're leaving this house. And this kid said this. He said, man, we're like, we're like modern day disciples. And that stuck. We started calling each other modern day disciples. You know, and then we came up with the acronym MDD. That was, became our thing. And it was about 15 guys. We're like, we're like the Hu-Tang version of Christians. You know what I mean? Like, because we were all hood, but like walking with Jesus. Like, you would never see us without our Bibles. We keep each other accountable. Like, you better have your Bible with you. We had this thing like, you're going to go to church. You're going to go to college with your Bible. We want everybody to see you have a Bible. We were that radical. And... And we had this code, right? If we were together and you're walking, you, you walk into someone you know, and they don't know Jesus, you have to tell them about Jesus. Or we're not leaving you alone. Like, that's how we used to be. Wait, we'd be McDonald's eating. Can I get two Big Macs? Remember two bags with two for $2? You know? Remember when your metabolism could afford like five, six? You have a Big Mac today, you need a nap. <laughs> but when you're 20 years old, say, like, I can play basketball right after this. I'm good. Anyways, we'd be there. And one of our friends will see someone that they know, they start talking, but we're all looking at him like, when are you going to tell him about Jesus, though? <laughs> and we had a code. The code was, hit him up. Okay, so we'd be like, you're talking, you talk, you talk Patriots, you talk, you think, we'll be here like, hit him up. <laughs> so the, the accountability was like, in your face. So you have to find a way to bring Jesus into the conversation. You know, yeah, I'm eating a Big Mac, but are you saved? <laughs> you know? And that's how it was. I remember one time I was in a gas station pumping gas, and so all of a sudden someone pulled up, and I'm talking to them, and my boy Isaiah, one of my, one of my best friends was 6'6". Six, six. He was, he was my, my, my best man in my wedding. He was one of the guys that we got saved together. You know, Isaiah was very intimidating, but he was like those teddy bears. Like, he looked tough, but he was very soft, you know. But he's there like, yo, you're going to hit him up? 
I'm like, man, give me a minute. Like, I'm trying, <laughs> trying to pump gas, you know. But that's the kind of relationship that we had, you know. And, 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 and I remember a friend, of, another friend who just told us this one time. He said, listen, sometimes I'm by myself. I'm facing temptation. But I think about you guys. And I say, I can't cop out. I got to stay focused. That's the power of community when you have people around you that want the same things you do. We all need that in our lives. And it became a brotherhood that we still have today. We still talk to these guys today. Um, the, the, the other one was more, you know, see that one was organic. But this other one was you have to be intentional about it. Because so, some things will happen organically. And sometimes you have to be intentional about them. I say that because some people are waiting for everything to happen organically, but it doesn't. Some things you have to put yourself in a position to receive. So there used to be a men's Bible study at the church. And we were young, and these men were older. So we have to be intentional about going and, and sit under these men who had been walking with Jesus longer than us, who had more experience than us, and we can receive from them. And that used to happen every other week. And I remember, man, we used to look forward to it because that was, you know, we had the friendship and it was powerful, but there was something about learning from grown men in Christ. I remember we used to sit there and not say much and just receive. And I just remember every time I would walk away going, man, that's what it means to be a man. Like we missed it. Like the world tells you, be this way. But the God that created us says, no, I have more for you. This is what it means to be a man. And that's where my life began to really be shaped. Because it's one thing to have friends, but it's another thing to have people who are helping to shape you into the person you're supposed to be. That's when I realized, wait, integrity matters to God. Honesty matters to God. Purity matters to God. Righteousness matters to God. I can't be wishy-washy. I got to be a full man of God in every area of my life. And so those Bible studies meant everything to me because it was shaping me as a man of God. And I believe we all need that if we're serious about Jesus, if you're serious about reaching our full potential, we need organic friendships, but also we need some intentional relationships that's going to shape us into who we're supposed to be. Look at what the Bible says in Psalm 133, verse 1. Look, it says this, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Right? How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. What does this mean? Well, it means this. We're meant to live in community. We're meant to have a support system. We're meant to... Get out of a comfort zone. Going to those Bible studies was not my comfort zone. But man, it shaped me more than it would ever shape me if I was just sitting at home watching the ESPN. So I got to put myself in positions to grow. And then it meant that I'm accountable. I know we live in a society where, you know, I do whatever I want to do. But I mean, you know, no one grows that way. No one reaches their potential with that mindset. Right? I'm accountable to God and to the people around me, and we're meant to shape one another. As iron sharpens iron, one person sharpens another person. Notice how he says iron sharpens iron. Like you got to be on the same page to be molded and shaped in the image and likeness of God. See, the Bible goes on to say this in Hebrews chapter 10. Go to my next slide. It says this, let us think of ways 
to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Look, let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the way of his return is drawing near. Isn't that powerful? He says, man, listen, you got you to gotta spur one another. Like, push one another. Don't let each other slack in the things that God has for you. I was thinking about it this week, guys, that our greatest enemy is not our enemies. Our greatest enemies is familiar surroundings where everybody's complacent in comfort and no one is pushing anybody to go forward and to, and to reach their full potential in Christ. That's our biggest enemy. Sometimes the biggest enemy is that porch we hang out with every single day. And no one's doing anything. At some point, someone has to have an epiphany to say, I'm leaving this porch. I need to go do something with my life. Sometimes your greatest enemy is familiarity. Familiarity breeds contempt. We get too familiar and then we don't do anything that's going to push us. I don't know about you, this life is too short for me to just sit around. And do absolutely nothing with my life. I want to be pushed. I want to be challenged. I want to be motivated to reach my full potential. Can you say amen? amen. And so, cruise, if you're right, if you're taking notes, listen, the number one thing about cruise is you go from being a face in the crowd into a community. Especially in a church that is as big as our church. It's easy to just be a face in the crowd that slips in and slips out. Right? You can do that, but you're not going to reach your full potential. You're not going to grow into the person that God created you to be. So we need to go from just a face into a community. And because the church is big, it's important to have smaller communities where everybody knows your name. Like cheers. <laughs> okay. People can, 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 can check in with you and pray with you and walk with you because that's the only way we're going to grow. It's the Jesus model. He picked 12 to do life with. Right? Even though he ministers to everybody, but he had the 12. And he com- that was his crew that he did life with. The second thing is, you need a crew to know you belong and that we care. Most people don't care about what you believe. They care about what you care about. So it's in the crew that we can care for one another. Again, in a church that's averaging 900 people a week, listen... The only way we're going to care for one another is if we get in a smaller context where I can pray for you. If someone is in a hospital, your crew can go and pray. If there's a need, you know, your crew can step in and help that need because it's impossible for a church this big to be there for everybody all at the same time. But if we break down into chunks, I believe everyone can be blessed. Can you say amen? Go ahead. We'll go on to the next thing. It's about growing. See, when you... In a crew, you're putting down roots, and you're growing. Right? You're not just slipping in and slipping out. No, you're now being intentional about growing. It's like, man, I need to get some people. And let's be real. For the first few weeks, it's going to be awkward. Right? Because, again, Hollywood is light to us. You don't just meet people and just, like, flows. Right? But you got to put yourself in a situation to break down the awkwardness to break down the ice, to be able to be on the other end. And I always love to hear stories because we do 12 weeks. And I always love to hear stories of people like, man, the first couple of weeks was weird, but then by week five or six, I couldn't wait to go to crew because we developed something deeper that takes time. Can you say amen? And then it's about accountability. It's about reaching your full potential. 
Right? It's about having people in your life that won't let you settle. Right? A lot of times when we think about accountability, we think in terms of you know, negative connotations. But I think accountability is a positive thing. I need people in my life to help me grow. I need an iron to sharpen my part. And I need to sharpen your part. And so it's about reaching your full potential. And we're trying to make this as simple as possible for anyone to join. You don't have to do anything but join. You don't have to be a member. You don't have to be saved to join. Did you hear that? You don't have to be saved to join. Like, you don't have to believe everything we believe to join a crew. Like, everybody's welcome if you're willing to go on a journey where you don't want to be the same anymore. That's the key, though. The key is, see, here's the thing, church. Everybody talks about changing. Nobody wants to change. So we need to change, change. (laughs) You get that? We need to change, change, because we talk about changing, but nobody wants to change. We talk about getting better, but nobody wants to work out. Everybody wants to be in shape. Come on, be honest. Who doesn't? I don't want to be in shape. Everybody wants to be in shape, but it's the few people that actually take the steps to get in shape. Few people that work out, few people that eat better, right? What the hell? <laughs> you know, my wife's trying to put me on this thing. I brought a salad to work this week. Put the salad down. Before I took a bite, I was already hungry. Like, I just, like, I'm already hungry before I even had a salad. But, you know, I got to get better, amen? So, look, we have something for everyone. Here are the options. Look at this. Look, we got, we got men's crews. Right? If you want to grow with other men, we have ladies, we have dating crews. If you're serious, you, you want your date to go to another level. If you're not just, you know, you know. <laughs> we, got, we got co-ed, if you're looking, you know. We got married crews. We got parenting crews. We have a freedom crew for people who struggle with drugs, addictions, you know, it's powerful crew. And we have a new believers crew. You know, if you're brand new to this thing. And you're like, man, I don't know where to start. I don't know what. Listen, we want to make it easy for everybody to grow in their relationship with Jesus. Can you say amen? Speaking of New Believers crew, that's my crew. I'm running a New Believers crew. Okay. If, if you've been saved for less than a year or you're thinking about being saved, you got questions about the Bible, I want you to join my crew. Okay. Because all we're going to do is talk about the Bible. All we're going to do is help you understand this thing, right? And, and show you how you can actually learn it and put it into practice in your life. So if you're brand new saved, but I only want brand new saved. Like, like you need to show me that you've been saved for less than a year. I don't know how we're going to figure that out. Like, I want a passport, something. That says, oh, look, I've only been saved for a year. Like, it's a true story. Okay. Because I don't want you to come and be an expert. We don't need experts. It's called hungry rookies. That you're hungry to know more. You want to grow in God. If you're new safe, join my crew. We're going to have a lot of fun. Okay. If you're already like amazing, go start a university. Okay. (laughs) That's really funny to me. I don't know why. I, I I just crack myself up. You know. Have you noticed, <laughs> I can't say these things, but I'm going to say them anyways because I like that fun. You know, the most deep theologians have churches of like three people. Themselves, their wives, and their kid. 
Nobody else wants to attend a church where you're like up here and we don't understand what the heck you're talking about. I want to be a church for everyday regular people that are walking with Jesus. And then they say stuff like, that's because we're too deep. That's the point of church. Right? The excuses that you hear church people make. I want to be a church for non-church people. That's the goal. Okay? If your friends don't like church, invite them here. I believe they're going to like it. You know, yesterday we had Target talking to to a woman. Hasn't been in the church. We're like, you're going to like our church. Just come. Why? Because it's a church for non-church people. She goes, I was thinking about going last week, and I wasn't dressed right. I was like, you see all I'm wearing? This is it. I don't put on a shirt and a tie the next day. I don't, I don't have anything against a shirt and a tie. I'm just not comfortable in a shirt and a tie. You know what I mean? I'm more comfortable this way. And that makes some people uncomfortable. Usually, the people that make some comfortable are people that are already too religious anyways. So I want to make religious people uncomfortable, but I want to make unchurched people very comfortable in our setting. Okay. And if you're not clapping, you're giving it away. I don't know about pastor's jeans. Work out my glutes. I don't know where this stuff comes from, Adam. I embarrass my wife every week. Look at her. She's turning colors. Here's what I believe about church. I believe church is a beautiful mess. Because you is a mess. I'm a mess. Right? But the more we embrace each other's mess, the more we can see the beauty of growing together. Right? That's what I believe. I don't believe the church is a place for, you know, people who have it all figured out. Why would Jesus come? He said, I came for the sick. Right? Now, of course, we don't want to stay sick, right? He grows us into better people. But man, let's never forget that it's your mess that becomes a message. It's your test that becomes a testimony. Right? And so we want to be a church that's a beautiful mess. Right? Like, I want people to feel like I don't belong anywhere else but a place where I feel like I can be a mess. But I don't want to stay a mess. Right? No one wants to stay a mess. No one wants to, I told you, no one wants to stay in a hospital. You want to grow. Can you say Amen. One of the most powerful things that we all want to hear in life is me too. Isn't that refreshing to hear someone say, man, me too. I think that's one of the most spiritual things you will ever hear. And so if you join a crew, you're going to hear people tell their stories, me too. Because sometimes we feel like nobody else get it. You ever feel that way? I'm the only one. No, because you've isolated yourself. But if you get around some people who are being honest and real, they'll say, I don't know for you, but when I hear preachers share their stories of struggles, I'm like, thank God. <laughs> Man, you're human too. <laughs> you know, it feels good to know. Like, 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 not that you want someone like be messed up, but you're like, Man, it feels good to know. Like, I'm, we're in this thing. Right? Like Mario would tell you, we, we didn't just arrive here. You know, we came in with some stuff. But I'm so glad we, 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 we grew up in a church that they let us grow. Like one time the pastor said from the pulpit, said, the young people, I want you to know, I will put my hand in a fire for you. I'm like, pastor, you're going to get burned. <laughs> but you know what he did? He was instilling confidence in us. He was saying, I believe in you. And you know, that does more to your soul than anything else. When someone says, I believe in you, even though you're not there yet, but you're like, man, are you believing me? I'm on my way. 
That's the kind of church we want to be, people that believe. Amen? Let me just say this. Loneliness is a choice. So is community. Isolation is a choice. So is community. You ever talk to people, they tell you all the reasons why life is not working out, but they're not doing anything about it? You don't want to be that guy or that girl. No, you don't want to stand. You you matter what you tell them, but, 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 but. When are you going to drop that but? Like, down low, just drop it. Drop it. (laughs) Drop it like it's hot. Like really low. All the way to the floor. And leave it. Man, she's, she's really turning colors today. <laughs> so I'm going to end here. Um, sign up today. Easy way to sign up. Okay. We have a crew for everyone. There's over 20 crews. So there's room for everyone. I think. I don't know. The church is big. We'll find out. Okay. Over 20 crews to pick from. If you go to New Life South Coast. <laughs> He's the hype man. I love it. Um, Every church needs a hype man. New Life South Coast slash cruise. You can sign up there. It's very simple. It, it shows you all the crews. It tells you the times, who's reeling it. Like if you go to a cafe today, we have a board there with all the crews, people's faces. It's easy to follow. We want you to join a crew. Okay. My prayer for you today is don't do life alone. Okay? You have a community around you. Don't be a face in the crowd. Don't sleep in, slip out. No. Put yourself in positions to grow. And don't expect it to be perfect, because the moment you show up to that crew, that crew became a little bit less perfect. <laughs> like, for real, though. Like, sometimes, I don't know what people are expecting from church. It's a bunch of people who don't have it together. Why would we be doing this <laughs> if we had it together? You know, and give it time. Let it, let it grow. Let it simmer. It's a crock pot, you know? Just got to let it... You know, but you belong. You belong. You belong in a society where it's isolation. We're saying it's about community. It's about all of us coming together. Can you say amen? All right, let's let's wrap this up. Would you stay with me? I want to pray for you this morning. Join a crew. That's your mission today. Every Sunday, I try to give you something practical to do. Today, you're literally going to leave this place, and you're going to sign up for a crew. And you and if you say amen, you're with me. I don't know, the way your amens are set up. I'm, I'm a little skeptical. Don't do life alone. God brings us together to do life together. Amen. Thank you for listening. I hope that did encourage you and that you can share it with someone who needs to hear from God. And we hope to see you soon. God bless.